You are welcome to the Niger Filmmaker, a podcast about Nigerian filmmakers, their films, and how we can build a diverse and functional industry. I'm your host, Selegot. On this episode, my guest is Desmond Viagele, a writer and director. He made Render to Caesar, which he wrote and co-directed, and The Milkmaid, which he also wrote and directed. In 2021, The Milkmaid was submitted to the International Feature Category for the Academy Award. We talk about the inspiration behind The Milkmaid, challenges faced during filming, and how producers can raise more funding. If you're a new listener, you're welcome and I hope you enjoy. Hi Desmond, you're welcome to the Niger Filmmaker. Uh, hello, hi, yeah, thank you very much for having me. Okay, so can you introduce yourself? Well, my name is Desmond Oviagele and uh, I guess I'm into making, uh, making movies. You know, going back to your childhood, do you remember any films that were, you know, remarkable in your childhood? Yeah, uh, interesting question. Um, I do remember certain movies that um, I did watch when I was uh, when I was much younger. Uh, at that time, they were still, they were actually showing movies uh, in National Theatre. Yeah. National Theatre was actually acting as a cinema house in, uh, in Lagos at that time. So I remember watching a number of movies, um, uh, Star Trek, I watched at National Theatre when I was okay. a child. I also watched a film called A Bridge Too Far. Uh, and uh, just as notably, I remember watching uh, Superman the movie. And as a as a kid, what were the thoughts going through your head when you were watching these films? Well, I watched them as uh, as a consumer. Uh, I didn't watch them with any other interest. I basically was there for, or was brought there, I guess, by my parents for the experience. And uh, you know, by and large, I, I, I generally enjoyed it. I enjoyed the storylines and all that. And, uh, you know, I, I guess maybe that's imbibed in me the, the feeling up to today, notwithstanding the preponderance of streaming services that uh, nothing quite beats the big screen. Yeah. Okay. So let's fast forward. Um, let's fast forward to university. So what did you study at university? I completed my undergraduate degree in business administration. Okay. And um, I read that you started a career in investment banking. Yes, that's correct. I mean, as a consequence of my course of study at university, I guess a natural, uh, a natural destination was uh, a career in some aspect of business. And I happened to find myself in financial services. Uh, as you said, with investment banking. Okay. You decided to leave this career in investment banking to do films. Like what um, What kind of formed that decision to leave the banking industry? Well, it was, I guess it was a desire to explore other aspects of my persona, uh, which uh, the world of investment banking wasn't created to give expression to. Uh, at, uh, I, I had some inclinations towards uh, towards the art. I, I enjoyed watching movies, um, but at some point I felt I needed to uh, put my hat in the ring, so to speak, yeah. and express some of, some of my own thoughts and ideas in terms of uh, filmmaking. Uh, so I couldn't 
very well do that side by side with a with a day job in financial services and uh, you know that led me to take a decision as to whether to stay or whether to go out and explore these inclinations and i i chose the latter okay so um i mean immediately you quit um, banking what was the first thing you did to kind of bring yourself up to speed with you know um the craft of filmmaking well in the latter my last stages of banking uh, although i obviously wasn't able to explore filmmaking full-time what i could do and did do uh you know with some of my you know uh relatively spare time uh, in the banking industry was to write scripts so uh, i would come in early in the morning and you know pen off a few pages before work starts. And then after that, I get to the, uh, to what uh, was paying my bills. Uh, but I, I did that fairly consistently in the last, uh, you know, couple of years before I started banking. And I guess that helped to smoothen the transition from where I was coming from to where I wanted to get to. You know, I saw that you, you were kind of a director producer for Render to Caesar. Was that your first into actually making a film? Yes, Render to Caesar was my first endeavor in the filmmaking world. I, I wrote the script, I produced a film, and uh, was more of a co-director, really, as opposed to a director. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. And um, generally, how did that production go, and what were, you know, some of the memorable lessons you learned from that experience? Uh, well, the, the production uh, being my first feature, I wasn't trying to be too adventurous, so I shot within a fairly uh, restricted uh, series of locations. Uh, that notwithstanding, the script was still a bit ambitious. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, it uh, and obviously being my first time, it was uh, it was a challenge. Um, realizing uh, what what one considers to be the potential of the script in terms of story and in terms of theme, and, and, and particularly at the quality level, and what was desiring to pitch the film at. Hmm. Uh, we shot in a, quite a number of locations, some of which were not necessarily necessarily ready at the time we they'd like to start shooting. So it was quite uh, it was quite often a battle. You know, trying to identify where to shoot next while trying to get the other the other location secured. What lessons learned um, in terms of producing and uh, and even you know, sometimes you write a script and uh, you write more scenes than are strictly necessary to tell the story. And uh, you know, we ended up shooting quite a number of scenes that uh, didn't make it into the final cut. So it was also a very very valuable lesson from a writing perspective as well. This film went on to be selected for FESPACO in 2015 and also the Pan-African Film Festival. How was, um, you know, how were those experiences? I mean, those are great experiences. Obviously, two different uh, kinds of film festival, uh, uh, Pan-African Film Festival in Los Angeles, uh, largely celebratory of uh, African-American cinema. You know, with a with a smattering of African cinema, mm. you know, and uh, you know, it was an opportunity to to be in Los Angeles, 
and uh, to interact with uh, Black America and watch, you know, their perspectives and their narratives on life, you know. So that was interesting. Uh, first Paco, Wagodugu, Burkina Faso, quite different, uh, much more of an outhouse feel. Yeah. Uh, primarily focused on African cinema uh, and uh, being exposed to, you know, probably a different style of filmmaking from what we're accustomed to here in Nigeria. Yeah. Uh, not as overtly commercial in terms of uh, their themes, uh, you know, a bit more elliptical uh, and... Uh, and more uh, more atmospheric uh, in terms of how they how they tell their stories. Uh, but you know, having said that, you know, also seeing uh, you know their attention to production value, you know, uh, you know, and being able to learn from that in terms of uh, not compromising on. On, on key aspects of uh, of the production. Okay. All right. So um, it was another six years before you made your next feature. So what were you doing in these six years? Well, I was uh, basically uh, recovering from the experience of having made the first film and uh, trying to identify what my next project would be. And um, when when did the inspiration come for for the milkmaid? Well, something around 2017. Uh, obviously, living in Nigeria, quite aware of the phenomenon of you know um, insurgency and its impact on the country, uh, primarily in the northern northeastern part of the country. Uh, seeing the reports, hearing about the news stories. This, of course, was in the aftermath of the kidnapping of the Chibo girls yeah. and how that turned out and everything. And then, you know, having a realization, obviously, that uh, as filmmakers, as an industry, we hadn't we hadn't addressed this phenomenon that had gotten global attention and was happening and continued to happen right in our backyard. And of course, as filmmakers, you know, we can't very well hold ourselves out as being responsible. Uh, narrators of our of our little corner of the world. If we're not commenting on what every media outlet, locally and internationally, was talking about almost on a daily basis, so I felt that uh, it it was incumbent on us uh, to be able to tell our side, share our perspective on what was going on, and that led to the projects the book made. Okay. And um, how much research, you know, went into making this story like really authentic to what was happening concerning insurgency in the north? Well, a lot of research had to go into it. I mean, I don't live in the north. I've never lived in the north. Um, uh, um, I was neither a victim of terrorism nor a perpetrator of terrorism. So I absolutely needed to immerse myself in that world if I stood any chance of telling a story that carried, uh, you know, uh, a mantle of authority and integrity, uh, you know, and authenticity, you know, to the to the characters in that world, 
that I was trying to portray. So that needed a lot of research, needed to uh, read, uh, you know, the accounts of survivors of uh, of terrorism, what they went through, uh, how their lives were before they were, you know, impacted by extremists, and how their lives were turning out, you know, for those who are fortunate enough to to survive captivity. Uh, and in one or two cases, actually had access to uh, some survivors of terrorism who had made their way down from uh, from Bono State uh, to Lagos, where I was located, and had the opportunity to engage them and to uh, see who are these people, you know, who have been through such traumatic experiences in our country. I was still standing. Yeah. Okay. So um, you know, let's get into the production of um the milkmaid where where was it shot the milkmaid was shot um in taraba state northeastern nigeria it was shot in primarily in three locations in the state it was shot in the state capital jalingo and we shot in uh, one of the provinces called gashaka which is uh, home to uh one of the, the largest uh you know um wildlife park or natural reserve in, in, in Nigeria called the Gashaka County uh, you know, National Park. And I also talk on the Mambila Plateau. Okay. For you, why, like, I mean, especially the Mambila Plateau, like, it's it's kind of remote and um, it could be, like, a bit challenging, you know, um, you know, for logistics and all that, but like, why did you decide to, you know, go with this particular location? Well, um, I, I had intention. I had originally intended to shoot in Jaws, which tends to serve as the de facto landscape for anywhere in the north in Nigeria, and has done so quite well for several films in the past. Uh, but I happened to come across some pictures of. Mambila Plato on the internet. And I didn't believe that was Nigeria because uh, although I'm a full-grown adult, I've never seen anywhere in Nigeria or heard of anywhere in Nigeria that looked that beautiful. As someone has shown me that those pictures are actually real and if I doubted it, I should go out to Taraba State myself and check it out. So um, I, I, I uh, persuaded my production designer, Pat Nabel, to accompany me on a reconnaissance trip to Taraba State, and we went up to Mambila Plato, and we were both blown away with uh, an absolutely breathtaking uh, topography that was there. And, and given that uh, I wasn't aware of any film that had that had shot, you know, and rendered those sort of images to the Nigerian public, I thought it was a great opportunity to incorporate that that, that those visuals and that landscape into our film, into the story of our film. You know, I, I wanted the opportunity to be able to showcase that region, that territory, that beauty, not just to Nigerians, but hopefully to an international audience as well. How long did it take to shoot the film? I think longer than we hoped for or expected it to do. Uh, it took uh, about three months to shoot the movie. I mean, I think that could probably be the, you know, longest time a feature film has been shot for in Nigeria. Possibly. Uh, no, I don't think so. It's, I can certainly name another feature film that took longer, but 
I don't necessarily need to mention names, but certainly I remember when I was shooting my first film, uh, Render to Caesar, I remember another feature film which uh, was shot for uh, quite a long time. I think it was about four or five months, but then I think you know, they, they mobilized, shot some scenes, and then they had a break and they came back. But yeah, three months for the book was certainly quite long. And, uh, you know, was, uh, and that was not without its impact on us financially and, uh, and even physically as well, because uh, none of us had planned to be out there in Taraba State for that. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, you guys weren't planning to be out that long for you. Like, was that a point that you saw that the crew were, you know, getting a bit fatigued, maybe with the environment or just with the, you know, effort that went into the shoots? And how did you, like, you know, try to raise their spirits and all? Well, I mean, uh, there was no doubt that the extended uh, shooting time, you know, had an impact on everybody. You know, it was um, physically very demanding, very draining. Uh, people were... Uh, uh, dislocated from their bases uh, around the country. Some even flew in from outside the country. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, we were in the trenches, so to speak, you know. Um, it wasn't easy and, uh, you know, uh, there were naturally uh, uh, some moments that were difficult for everybody, uh, individually and, uh, and, uh, and collectively as well, but we managed to get through it. Uh, I think many, you know, I, I have to appreciate the resilience of my crew yeah. uh, because um, it was a tough time, uh, but I was very heartened by their work ethic and by their mentality that, look, you know, we are filmmakers, this is what we do. If the going gets rough, as they say, if the going gets tough, the tough get going. And that was the attitude. And to be honest, I didn't really have to do that much motivating and encouraging uh, for, for whatever reason they came with the mindset that yes things are tough not going as we anticipated but this is what we do as filmmakers it's, it is our job to see this thing through we didn't come here to make a half film we came here to make a complete film and move on and that's what they did yeah and um i read that you you work with a number of um would i say non-actors or first-time actors yes that is that is correct. So most of um, most uh, I'd probably say 99 percent of the cast were non actors because we're shooting Taraba State and uh, ninety nine percent of the cast were drawn from the local uh, you know filmmaking community in quote who effectively are people who dabble into filmmaking but that is very far from being their mainstay. You know, some of my lead characters were actually vigilantes or hunters in real life and yeah. just uh, dabbled into filmmaking, you know, as uh, as an expression of, uh, you know, their, 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 their desires and inclinations. Yeah. And how was it working with them? Do you find it particularly, like, easy? Uh, I, I think it helped that we shot in Hausa, in Hausa language. Uh, so they were speaking a language that they were accustomed to. And, and the story, which we tried to, as much as possible in casting, put around pegs and round holes, you know. And I think that helped in terms of they being able to in interpret their characters with a, with a great amount of authenticity. You know, um, the story was not a story that they were familiar with. They were 
fully aware, obviously, living in the north of the insecurity situation. And I think to a certain extent, they appreciated the necessity of being able to portray such characters and portray such stories, you understand? So, uh, and I think they were also quite gratified. This was the first time a production of this sort of scale of this magnitude was coming to their state. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of enthusiasm really to be involved in the production. You know. Okay. So what are some of the other challenges that you encountered, you know, um, that slowed the, you know, completion of the film? One of them was the language we shot in, we shot in the Hausa language. Um, and we, we, the reason we shot in Hausa was that we were, were striving for as much authenticity as possible. Yeah. By virtue of the fact that we shot in the Hausa language and because I and a, a large number of my crew or did not speak Hausa, that meant uh, needing to communicate through a translator in English and then have that translator convert my directions into Hausa to the recipients of that direction. So that probably made us take twice as much time to shoot every scene as it would have if we were shooting in English. So, so that caused... Uh, uh, obviously, a lot of time to do that, you know, for that for, for the story. Uh, I, in addition to that, we shot uh, uh, at we shot during the rainy season yeah. in Tarawa State. And for a film like ours that had a lot of exterior, external scenes, that's meant were exposed to a lot of interruptions under sandstorms that take place in Taraba State. Mm. And uh, we had to uh, stand down quite a number of times when we were about to start shooting uh, to get our shots. So that also took some time. And then we had some delays, there were some security challenges we had. Our crew bus was detained somewhere in the east when it was en route to location to enable us to start shooting a film for the first time. And uh, we had to spend about a week, you know, trying to unravel out of power before they could join us uh, to commence shooting. So, so these are another issue of the things that made us take uh, quite some time to shoot. Okay. You mentioned that, yeah, you worked with um, Pat Nebo. He's probably the, you know, leading production designer in Nigeria. And um, your DOP was also Yinka Edward. How was he having these kind of seasoned professionals on your shoots? How did he help um, your process? So working with um, uh, seasoned hands like uh, Pat Nebo, as production designer and Yinka Edward as cinematographer. They've got a lot of experience uh, and they bring much more than that you know, to, to a film set. You know, um, you know they, they bring all manner of um, you know, ability to, uh, uh, to assist even in other areas of production, not necessarily related to theirs. So that was much appreciated. But speaking directly of their own departments, you know, as I said, they are top notch. Uh, Partnable, you know, trained in his career in Italy, uh, very, very creative 
uh, able to fashion, you know, a great amount of detail out of what looks like absolutely nothing, you know. And he really took the bull by the horns in Taraba State, you know, engaging the local people uh, to try and, you know, create, you know, um, a physical fabric, uh, you know, that is authentic to the culture of the characters of very, very important, you know. Uh, Edwards, you know, um, you know, fantastic, you know, um, director of photography, um, you know, shot, you know, these very, very impactful images with um, with Ari Alexa Mini. You know, we used, you know, very expensive lenses as well. But, you know, a lot of that was, uh, you know, recommended, you know, to enable us, you know, I tell a very impactful story and uh, he's someone who is very meticulous when it comes to the visual image that is put up on screen, you know, and I, I, I certainly the production benefited you know, from having someone who doesn't cut corners, you know, ensuring that we have the absolute best quality picture uh, possible. Okay. Moving to post-production, how, how long did that process take? Well, post production took several months. Uh, we, uh, uh, be because we, as I said, we shot in Hausa, uh, there were a number of instances where what we, what we encountered in post production was different from what was written in the script. And that was not, uh, that was not identified during shooting because of that language barrier. Uh, but it was only in post-production that, uh, you know, some of those issues were identified and we had to, we had to recall, you know, some of the cast, you know, to come and uh, correct those anomalies. So there was a bit of back and forth with that in post-production and uh, it took some time before we got a cut of the film that everybody was satisfied with, but at the end of the day, we, you know, we got there. So, okay, so can you talk about um, the reception of the milkmaid at the cinemas? Like, you know, you wanted to tell the story of often misunderstood, you know, um, citizens of Nigeria. You know, we all, sometimes really hear like the news headlines that a number of people have been killed. So, like, one, once you told the story, like. How did Nigerians react to it? How's the reception? It's been largely positive. Uh, uh, we've uh, been gratified by people who, you know, say that you know they've gained far more of an understanding and appreciation of the issues and the characters involved after watching the film, which was our intention. You know, it was very important for us that um, as local filmmakers, you know, we're able to tell the story and not have this story told to us by filmmakers who are not from Nigeria, you know. Of course, they, they're, they're perfectly entitled, you know, to comment on any, on any area of the world, but uh, it would be a shame for us if we are bragging that we are the most, uh, you know, prodigious uh, filmmaking industry by output in the world, even more than Hollywood, but yet we have no stories commenting on what's going on in our backyard. So I thought it was important for us as filmmakers, local filmmakers, 
uh, to tell our stories, uh, you know, and give our own perspective on what's going on. And uh, we tried to do that. We did do that. And uh, we certainly have received comments of appreciation, both locally and uh, uh, internationally as well. Okay. And, um, you know, the film, I think it hit the huddle when it went to the um, film and video censors board. So the, the version of it that is on uh, um, Prime Video, is it the director's cut or is that the censors board's cut? Well, I don't want to confirm or use the terminology director's cut or censors board cut. You know, um, all I'll say is that what we have on Prime Video is uh, represents the story we're trying to tell. Uh, we have no issues with you know what what is what is there. Yeah. Okay, it's it was considered by the Nigerian Oscar Selection Committee, and you know they v- voted in favor of the milkmaid representing Nigeria at the Oscars in 2020. How how did that make you feel? Well, obviously, I felt very gratified, very humbled, very appreciative, obviously, to the selection committee for choosing us to represent the country at the Oscars. Um, uh, I'm also happy for Nigeria. We've never had a film, uh, you know, competing for for this award, for, for, any, for any award at the Oscars. This was the first time uh, that a film from Nigeria has an opportunity to rub shoulders with its contemporaries from other filmmaking industries globally. So I was happy for us as a production, I was happy for Nigeria as a country, uh, you know, it was, and, and also happy for, particularly for my cast and crew, who, as I said before, had sacrificed us to see this film get treated, you know, under very challenging circumstances. So for them to at least uh, have this recognition of their efforts in this very high profile way, you know, I'm very appreciative. Okay. So the... Nigerian film industry has come a long way and um, there's still a long way to go. For you, what do you think should be a priority in, you know, improving what um, the Nigerian film industry produces and sends out into the world? What do you think we should focus on improving? Well, I think all across the board, there are areas for improvement. We've come a long way from the... from the starting of the industry in the early 90s, we've seen uh, virtually every aspect of um, of production, you know, go to the next level. But as you said, of course, there's always room for improvement. And uh, what what I'd like us to do and to be is to remain humble, to remain teachable, and to continue to learn and to improve, not to rest on our oars and assume that we have arrived and uh, no one can tell us anything you know this the the, the world uh, is not stagnant you know things continue to move to improve new technologies come on board new ways to tell stories come on board and it's important that we keep up you know with with global trends and use these trends uh, to help us tell our stories in more powerful and impactful ways okay um you know coming from investment banking how do you think um, Nigerian producers can, you know, set up their projects to be attractive, you know, investment opportunities for bankers or private individuals? 
Well, it's it's I mean even abroad in Hollywood, setting up projects to attract finance is never never easy. Just because of the nature of the industry, it's not it's one in which there is uh, you know some degree of risk in terms of the investment you know relative to other um, or, 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 or to other alternatives uh, you know as as investment vehicles. So um, we need to provide to potential investors as much transparency as possible uh, in terms of our projects. You need to be able to give them all the tools that they need to be able to take informed decisions that they are comfortable with, hopefully uh, favorable to what we're asking them to do. Uh, so when it comes to things like box office figures of not just our projects, but also of other projects that they can use as the yardstick. We need to ensure as an industry that as much as possible that is available for third parties to be able to review. You know, uh, when it comes to things like budgets, we need to ensure that those also are as detailed as possible. Yeah. You know, uh, so that you know people don't have a false impression of what it's going to cost. Uh, you know, for them to get involved in our projects. Uh, and, and then when it comes to even things like you know uh, streaming services, which obviously is 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 frequently the destination of many films these days, it's good for uh, there to be as much information available as possible as to how much investors stand to earn as a return. You know, if uh, what you're asking them to invest in goes in that direction, you understand. So yeah. the more information that's made available to potential investors, the, the better it can only be, you know, for us as producers in the, in, in, in the filmmaking industry. Okay. So um, are you working on any new films? Well, I have a number of ideas that I am currently trying to develop to a stage where I can attract, you know, the requisite, um, you know, uh, investment as well as collaborators on the creative and technical side. Uh, but I am still in the very early stages of that. Okay. Where can people keep up with um, news about anything you're working on? Do you have social media, a website? Yes, we do have a website. Uh, website is www.danonomedia.com. Uh, that's D-A-N-O-N-O-M-E-D-I-A.com. And uh, we try to... Uh, definitely uh, post any new developments in terms of what we are doing as a production company there. And social media, uh, I'm primarily on Instagram with my name, Desmond Oviagli. So I guess if you typed in Desmond Oviagli into the search engine of Instagram, you should find my uh, my account there. And uh, I also try to post any, any relevant uh, developments that are happening with me professionally. Oh, okay. All right, thanks Desmond for coming on the Niger Filmmaker. Thank you very much, Sela. Thank you for thank you for having me. We have come to the end of this episode. Remember to rate and review the podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Selegal Film and the podcast at the Niger Film Pod to share your feedback. You can now support the podcast by visiting the website to donate. See you on the next episode. Have a good one.